Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This episode is being recorded on Thursday, January 24th, 2019. We're going to go over a bunch of things today, the most exciting of which is some new information from John Mueller about whether we should be using the disavow tool. This truly is new. I'm not trying to clickbait you into listening to the the full podcast. Um, We learned some really exciting things, and I've actually changed my thoughts on auditing links. So So I am going to make you sit to the end of the uh, episode in order to hear my thoughts on this. Um, Until then, let's talk about uh, the news in SEO over the last week. First, in the subject of algorithm updates, Barry Schwartz from Search Engine Roundtable um, reported that there was a possibly an algorithm update starting January 15th of 2019. I checked on... um, all of the sites that we have access to for Google Analytics and didn't really see any obvious evidence that there were big changes that looked like algorithmic changes on that date. That said, uh, I published that in the newsletter. Um, and then we had a couple people reach out to us and say, actually, they did see some drops. If there was an update, I'm suspicious it could be a link-related update, uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's a very minor one. So at this point, uh, I don't think there was anything significant going on. Um, I'll be reviewing uh, things again um, in the middle of next week, and so I may be able to report back more on that uh, in the next uh, podcast and newsletter. Uh, I think uh, historically in February, Google has done big algorithm updates. I can think of uh, Panda first came out in February um, of uh, 2011. Uh, The uh, big EAT update, the very first one where I think Google was implementing EAT into the algorithm, that was February of 2017. Uh, It was early March that we had uh, the big March 9th update um, this year. So stay tuned. I think in the next couple of months, we'll probably see a bunch of algorithmic turbulence uh, at this time. But we'll see. That's just a guess. So... um, We're going to talk, let's see here, there was an announcement that Google is uh, no longer offering the domain sets, as far as I can see, in Search Console. Um, They were something where you could look at just one property, instead of looking at all your different subdomains and whatnot, uh, you could look at them as a set, and that appears to be gone. So we don't know if that's coming back again, if it's going to be a part of the new Search Console, but if you're looking for your sets and you can't find them, uh, then that's, uh, that's why. Um, it was an interesting article on Search Engine Journal uh, talking about uh, a page that uh, got indexed by accident. And the, it was quite an interesting um, discussion as to why it happened. And they believe that it was due to the editor that was used to write code in. Um, and so uh, if you write code in something like a Google Doc, then sometimes the quotation marks, there's straight quotation marks and there's curly quotation marks. And the text editors might actually convert them to curly. And if that gets put into the code in your website, uh, then Google may not recognize it. So what I understand happened here is that um, the page was supposed to have a no index directive, um, but because Google couldn't recognize the quotes, they, they couldn't see the no index directive. So one little tip that I can give you here is we really like to use a Chrome extension called nofollow. And what it does is it allows you to, um, 
to see very quickly all the no-followed links on a page, but it also uh, puts a little thing up in the bottom corner of your screen to tell you whether a page is no-indexed or not. Uh, and we use it all the time when we're browsing sites and we see, oh, okay, well, this page is no-indexed. Um, it's a very, very quick way to determine whether there's an issue, uh, you know, whether you want it to have it no-indexed or not. There was a really good article by Danny Sullivan um, talking about how to perform well in Google News. And even though this was written about Google News, it's something that applies to pretty much every website. Uh, and so I would really encourage everybody to read it. Some important parts from this. One thing is he talks about making sure that you have accurate times and dates. Uh, this is, I mean, times are not as important for your average website. Uh, I think if you have sensitive, time-sensitive news content, then that is important. Uh, but in terms of general website quality, dates are important, especially if you have your money or your life content. So if I'm reading about a medical condition, I don't want to read content from 10 years ago. I want to know what is the most up-to-date information on this content. And so uh, the quality raters guidelines, they talk about putting a date uh, at the top of all of your pages. Well, not necessarily at the top, but having a last updated date. Uh, the guidelines talk about um, whether it's clear that medical information is being continually updated. Now, I recognize this is challenging. I mean, most of the pages on my website, I do not update regularly, but I should. Just because I'm not doing it doesn't mean that uh, you should be not doing it. Um, but our important pages, you know, we really do try to put a last updated date. And uh, uh, for example, my algo post, if you want to see all of the known or suspected algorithm updates, you can go to mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O. And you'll see at the top of that page, there's a line that says last updated on a particular date. So that's a good practice to use. The other um, thing that Danny talks about a lot is uh, not to rewrite content. Now, that's tricky, right? I mean, most sites that publish news, including me, uh, will rewrite content. So for example, if, um, you know, Search Engine Land has an article about something, and then I write an article about the same topic, why would Google want to rank both Search Engine Land and me unless I'm adding significant value? So Search Engine Land is likely seen as more of an authoritative source than I am, and they probably broke the news. I probably learned it from Search Engine Land. Um, but what I'll try to do is add my own perspective. Uh, a great way to add um, information so that your content is not just rewritten from another source is to add user-generated content. So um, that's why, you know, we include tweets from people. We include, uh, if possible, comments. Um, those all contribute to how unique and valuable your page is. So we see this a lot. Um, we see sites that see massive drops with quality updates. And when we look at their articles, we think, you know, why would anybody want to read this article as opposed to the other 2 million articles that are out there on the same subject? Um, so I would encourage everybody to go again and look at Amit Singhal's 23 questions for panda hit sites. Um, and one of the questions in uh, that list is, does this site offer substantial value uh, 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 compared to other similar sites? Um, and so if you are continually putting out posts that 
really are no more valuable than um, what's already out there, then those can contribute to a lower assessment of quality for your site. So that's something that is really, really tricky, especially if you're outsourcing writing. Um, so you really want to do all you can to make it so that you're truly adding unique value. Um, there's many other things in this post by Danny as well. I won't get into all of them now uh, because I want to get into the disavow stuff soon. Um, but I would really encourage you to take a look at the newsletter. Uh, if you want to find the newsletter, it's mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And uh, the most recent episode will be at the top of that page. Um, There's an interesting article by Oliver Mason where he discovered that you can use the URL inspection report in Search Console to inspect URLs that you don't own. That's fascinating, right? So what Oliver did was he um, created a redirect on his site where he redirected one of his pages to Screaming Frog. Uh, and uh, Screaming Frog's site. And then what he did was he used Search Console to look at his page that redirected, and he was able to see all of the information that Search Console had about that URL in his Search Console. Now, I think that Google will probably close that loophole. Um, they'll make it so that that doesn't work anymore. I haven't tested it out, but it's kind of a cool thing. So if you do some competitor research, that would be something that might be interesting to uh, see what information Google's got there. Somebody asked John Mueller how long uh, you should keep a 301 redirect in place. And what he said was, uh, if they're no longer needed after a while, uh, then, you know, he said you could keep them about a year or so. Now, in most cases, if you have redirects in place, I'd just leave them there. Um, the exception is, I guess, if you have millions of them, uh, it's potentially possible that that can uh, slow your site down. Um, but, uh, but if you do have redirects and you're wanting to remove some, I'd leave them in place for at least a year. There was a really great article by uh, Arsen Rabinovich about uh, pagination, um, and I would really encourage everybody to read it. I've done a bit of a summary in the newsletter, but um, if you're trying to understand, so this is about use of rel previous, rel next, uh, and having a view all page, and a lot of people get confused about which um, directives go where. So I would encourage you to read that if you're using any sort of pagination on your site. Uh, let's see here. Somebody asked John Mueller, if you were impacted by an algorithm update, how long it would take to see a recovery? And uh, John said, you know, there's really no fixed time frame uh, for that. And Google has to recrawl and reprocess pages on your site. In our experience, if you've been uh, negatively affected by a quality update uh, and then you make changes, it's rare that it's like a really simple change that you make. You know, these changes usually take a good amount of time to implement. Um, and there are things, it's not like, you know, oh, just, you know, make this tweak to your code. It's usually very drastic changes that you need to get more authoritative mentions or you need to work on reputation issues um, or, you know, great uh, problems with thin content. I mean, there's tons of things that could happen. But in our experience, once a site owner has cleaned up the quality issues, it usually takes a few months and even as many as six months. And in some large sites, like even a year uh, to see a recovery. Um, and so the reason why this is tricky is because 
it's very hard to test things. It's hard to say, oh, well, we did this and we saw improvements, so this must be uh, helping us, um, because you've probably worked on many things over that time frame of several months. Uh, but if you're waiting for recovery, then uh, you know, give it a few months um, and be continually working on improving the quality of your site. Somebody asked me on Twitter whether I should be, uh, whether you should be disavowing links that come from a domain with an expired SSL certificate. And I've had a lot of similar questions in the last couple of weeks. We had one person ask whether they should be disavowing links uh, that come from foreign language sources. Um, another one was whether they should disavow links that are on 404 pages. Um, so the thing is, we're getting things wrong about disavowing, and we're going to talk about more about what John Mueller said in a minute, but you really only need to disavow links that you've put there for SEO purposes, uh, or that you you know had a hand in um, making for SEO purposes. So if you're making links with the sole intention of manipulating rankings, then those are the links to disavow, not, um, you know, if some spammy site happens to scrape your content and link to you, or they're missing their security certificate, uh, those, you know, those links, I'm very confident that Google is ignoring those and you don't need to disavow them. That said, I mean, when we do a link audit, we will, uh, if we're already auditing links, there's no harm in throwing those in a disavow file. Now I wouldn't put one in just because it's an expired SSL certificate. Um, but you know, if you see ultra spammy links, there's no harm in disavowing them, but it's very unlikely that that's going to help you in any way. Um, somebody noted that, uh, there's featured snippets now appearing, uh, from content that's taken from PDFs. So, you know, the featured snippet algorithm is continually changing and, uh, that's something to, to look out for. So, um, I think probably the same rules would apply that are guidelines that if you want to try to get a, a featured snippet from PDF content, have good headings that, um, make it very clear, uh, where the content is, um, have very concise answers that will fit into a featured snippet properly. Uh, let's see what else we can talk about here. A bunch of little tips that are in the newsletter, so I'm going to skip over some of those uh, and just get on to um, the important stuff. Although this is quite interesting that Google was hit with a GDPR fine over ads. They were fined 44 million pounds, uh, which is, you know, even for Google, I think that's a significant amount of money. Um, and what the uh, complaints were about was that there was a lack of transparency inadequate information and lack of valid consent regarding ad personalization. So if you are collecting people's personal data and people from Europe are potentially involved in this, you really need to make sure you comply with GDPR. Um, you know, so far it's only seemed to be very large companies that have been fined, uh, but I think very many can be fined. Um, I mean, I'm no expert on GDPR, but something to pay attention to for sure. Uh, let's see here. Somebody asked uh, about why you sometimes see redirected URLs in doing a site search. So if you're doing a site colon search, so for example, if I do a search for site colon mariehaines.com, that's going to show me the majority of the pages that Google has indexed on my site. Um, now let's say that uh, I had... Um, a website example.com and I redirected that to mariehaines.com. 
You would expect that if you do a site colon search for example.com that nothing should appear because it's redirected to my site. Um, but in reality, Google actually shows us the example.com link. I know that's kind of confusing. The reason why I'm saying it is that people are saying, well, that means it's in the index and something's gone wrong because it shouldn't be in the index. But Google can recognize that that's what you're looking for. You're trying to see that particular information from example.com. So, um, the it's I'm not, not something I want to dwell on. Uh, just to say that site colon searches uh, are not always completely accurate, and it's often hard to. I mean, we use them. We look for thin content with them. Uh, we do a lot of things with site colon searches, but uh, you, you have to be careful at what conclusions you draw from looking at site colon searches. Um, Let's see what else we'll talk about. It was an interesting uh, post online about uh, somebody who was complaining that Google was telling lies about them. And there was something in their knowledge panel. So that's on the right-hand side of the search results, the box that some people will get. Uh, and it was inaccurate information about this person's nationality. It said that they were Israeli and they weren't. Um, and so this person was complaining to Google that Google got things wrong. Um, and Danny Sullivan replied saying, information for knowledge panels comes from various sources, including Wikidata, that was giving us the incorrect nationality. So the thing here is that if your knowledge panel's wrong, it's probably not Google's fault. It means that there's information elsewhere on the web that is incorrect. Uh, so that's uh, an important thing to know. I didn't report on this when it first came out because I didn't want to encourage people to uh, do negative SEO. But there was a hack that people were using to um, make it in local SEO so that you could go into a competitor's um, GMB, or not GMB, you could edit their GMB listing, their Google My Business listing, to uh, say that they were opening soon. And what would happen was that would take them out of, uh, as far as I understand, out of the map listings. Um, and so Google's fixed that now that that can't happen anymore. Uh, Joy Hawkins has some information on that in her forum on it. So, um, you know, don't go trying negative SEO, stuff like that. That's just not cool. Um, uh, let's see. I think we're all okay. So that's all other than this disavow stuff. And I'm sorry, I kind of built you up and hopefully kept you to the end here. Uh, but this is super important. So I had the privilege of traveling to New York City uh, this week to be a part of a live help hangout with John Mueller. And it was one of the best hangouts. I mean, we've been transcribing John Mueller's help hangouts since 2012. So to meet John in person was fantastic. It was uh, uh, really great. And John, if you are listening to this, I just want to say again how much we appreciate all that you do for site owners. Um, you've answered so many questions and you've helped us to um, help a lot of businesses. So thank you for that. Um, and so I asked John a question about disavowing. And I should tell you, I asked John before the Hangout went live whether it would be okay for me to ask this question because I didn't want to put him on the spot. Um, my goal was not to call out Google or be mad at Google, but rather to just get some more clarity. Uh, and so um, if you want to listen to the entire, uh, it's several minutes where John and I talk about disavowing. Uh, there's a link in the newsletter to that. And we'll soon have our summary of the, that Help Hangout uh, live. Um, but here's the important part. Um, we know that if you get a manual action, using the disavow tool is a good idea for links that you can't get removed. But algorithmically, there's really not a lot of clarity as to whether disavowing is important. So those of you 
you know, have been around for a few years, you remember the days when the Penguin algorithm first came out and it was very, very punitive. So if somebody had unnatural links pointing to their site and Penguin determined that there were enough of them, uh, it would cause massive drops in rankings and ability to rank for anything. And then you'd clean up those links by disavowing them or removing them. And with a future Penguin update, you could see massive gains in rankings and, uh, and sometimes see recoveries, not all sites recovered. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, September of 2016, Penguin 4.0 launched. And Gary Ish and John Mueller both said that uh, Penguin is really good now at ignoring unnatural links. So my thought at that time was, well, if we're disavowing, we're basically asking Google to ignore links. So why would we ask Google to ignore links that they're already ignoring? It doesn't, it seems like a waste of time. Um, you know, if you've paid for a link audit, it seems like a waste of money. And so we stopped offering link audits for quite some time. I didn't do any link audits for, you know, probably a year or so. And uh, I had lots of requests and I'd tell people, look, Google says they're ignoring links. And then we had a few people that just said, look, I want to do it anyways. Um, and so we said, all right, fine, we'll take your money to do a link audit if you want to do it anyways. Um, and some of these sites actually saw some improvement. Now, again, it's hard to say, you know, because they were working on other things. Is it completely because of the disavow or not? So with that in mind, I asked John, let's say these sites don't have a manual action. Can that type of link hurt them algorithmically? And here's John's response. That can definitely be the case. It's something where our algorithms, when they look at it, if they say, oh, there are a bunch of really bad links here, then maybe they'll be a little more cautious in regard to links in general for the website. So if you clean that up, then the algorithms look at it and say, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. That's interesting, right? So I asked, can links hurt a site algorithmically? And John said, that can definitely be the case. Um, and so let me clarify things a little bit here because I don't want everybody to run out and start disavowing links. And I think most sites do not need to disavow links. As I mentioned earlier, if you have um, spammy links that a competitor's pointed at your site, if you have uh, adult links and your site is not adult in, in nature, um, if you have spammy image sites that are linking to you, that's not the type of link that is going to cause Google's algorithms to say, oh, we can't trust the links pointing to this site. And the reason why I know that is that every single site has those links. Um, when we do link audits, like a huge portion of them are ones that we go, oh, Google's just ignoring those. Um, however, if you have been building links for SEO, then you really need to be paying attention to this. So what I wrote in the newsletter was, if you have a history of creating links for SEO in the past, you should audit those links and disavow. In most cases, those links will be ignored by Google. But there is a possibility that, as John said, Google's algorithms may be a little bit more cautious about ranking a site that has a large number of unnatural links. So sometimes there are hard decisions. I can think of um, examples where people come to us and they say, well, we've been paying for this content marketing. And we look at the content marketing and what we see is that it's essentially glorified article marketing um, where people are getting articles published on sites that very few people are going to read. Nobody's ever going to click those links. They're only doing it so that they can build links to the site. Um, and that's the type of link that used to work. And now Google says, you know, if we see enough of these, 
then uh, maybe we shouldn't be trusting all of the links pointing to your site. It's fascinating, right? So um, those types of links are ones that we have disavowed for some clients and we've seen improvements afterwards. So I'm going to be writing some stuff uh, at some point. I've, we've got, I've got a whole lot on my, uh, on my plate here, but, um, but I am going to be writing some stuff about which types of links people should be disavowing. I would encourage you not to use uh, tools that try to um, programmatically tell you which links to disavow. They're looking, and actually, I think it was John Mueller who tweeted about this. Uh, we had it in the newsletter a few weeks ago that if there's links that a tool can tell you to ignore, then Google's, or to disavow, then Google's already ignoring them. What you're looking for are the links that Google can't figure out whether they should ignore them. Ones that, like, you know, a guest post that it might be a good link, but maybe it's not. And in isolation, you know, you get a couple of those, that can help. You get a hundred of those, then that's going to look like low quality. And I don't know, I mean, I made that number 100 up. But the point is here that if you're doing something, if you're doing link building on a scale that's making a big difference, and there's really, you know, the main reason why you're building those links is to build links, you know, not to promote your brand, not to like, for example, if I write a guest post for like Moz or SEMrush or something like that, I might try to, you know, what I usually try to do is I write a supporting article on my own site that has a bunch of data in it. And from within the guest post, I'll say, you know, we've got more information on this that you can find here. Um, and yeah, I'll put a link to my site. And uh, sometimes, you know, big publishers, they'll no follow that link. I'm all right with that. I mean, if it's followed, I'll take it. But the point is people click on those links. And even if those links weren't there, I get business from those posts. Now, if you are hiring writers or you're hiring an SEO company um, to just basically write content for you so that you can get it published, so you can get a link, you need to disavow those links and you need to stop that practice. And I know that's probably making a lot of um, SEOs uncomfortable because some of you are actually providing that service. Uh, and so, I, you know, things have to change. Those links are likely not helping and um, they could potentially be hurting a site. So we are going to start doing more link audits here at Marie Haynes Consulting. Um, we're not quite ready to take on an onslaught of uh, people who want link audits just yet. Um, we have to refine a few processes so that we can do this at a larger scale. Uh, but pretty soon we're going to have a lot more content on what types of links to disavow, who should be disavowing. And uh, if you're looking for how to use the disavow tool, I've written stuff in the past. Uh, I have an article on Moz about I think it's the complete guide to the use of the disavow tool. It's a few years old, but it's still very, very relevant. So, um, you know, you can use that, but I really, really would say, you know, forget disavowing the links that tools tell you to disavow. Uh, if you have links that, you know, here, here's a good, a good rule of thumb. How would you feel if a member of the web spam team looked at your link profile today? Now, knowing, I mean, if you see a bunch of spammy links, a bunch of porn links, would a, would, a, would a web spam team member say, oh, it looks like these guys have been link building to try to manipulate their rankings? 
If that's the case, then you should consider using the disavow tool. So hopefully in the months to come, we will see some improvements. Uh, I find for those sites that we have seen improvements, it's taken um, a couple of months for, uh, and then we don't see that sudden increase like we used to with Penguin updates. Uh, we see this gradual increase over time. And then often when there's a quality update, we'll see an even bigger jump in the, uh, the, the traffic as well. So that's exciting news to us. Um, you know, we want to uh, do all we can to help sites that are actively trying to perform better um, to, uh, to be the highest quality as possible. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on that. I know there's been some good discussion on Twitter lately, and uh, I'll be definitely publishing more in the future on this type of thing. So that's all we have for this week. Um, hopefully things are going well for you. Let's gear up for potential big algorithm updates. That's my guess. And other than that, we're all set. So I wish you the best of luck with rankings, and um, uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you.